I don't want to sound cocky because I'm not that kind of person, but in the dragster, I was getting kind of bored. I, uh, I won division championships. I won national events and I was ready for an, another challenge. And, uh, so far this year, um, bottom bowl, stock eliminator, all of that aspect, doing big wheelies, burnouts, it's a lot of fun, but it's definitely the challenge that I needed because it is kicking my tail. It's time for Class Racing Today, the podcast for the NHRA Class Racing fan. Welcome back to Class Racing Today, classracingtoday.com, classracingtoday at gmail.com. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them there. Um, if you want to help support the show, you can do that by deciding what you get out of the show value-wise and going to classracingtoday.com. Click on the donate button and you put that dollar amount in there. Whatever it is that you get value, whatever that number is, you choose. We don't tell you what it looks like. You get to decide what that is. Uh, and we appreciate all the help we get from uh, all the listeners of this show uh, it's episode 68, um, Brian, as the, uh, year progresses, you are closer and closer to having an actual drivable car. How's it going? What's going on in your, in the car world? Like, it's so close, I can feel it. <laughs> almost. I can almost feel it. Like, starting to schedule. Like, all right, can we get into Brainerd? Might be ready for Brainerd. <laughs> Do I take a untested combination to Brainerd? Like, I've done crazier, dumber mm-hmm. things, but my uh, my mental goal is I want to go to the Ottawa MCR Midwest Class Racers race, which I believe is the 26th-ish of July. That's Iowa, right? Yep. Yeah. So that would be, all right, so I can go there. Make sure everything's working correctly, and then it's off to the races. Then buckle up. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Terrible. (laughs) Maybe. But no, yeah, it's kind of exciting. I, uh, you know, after a little trip to Rock Falls, I'm definitely less productive because that's all I think about now. But well, and before we went to that. You had heard a little bit from your engine builder that all the pieces were in, now assembly was to begin, correct? Yes. And since then, um, what info have you gotten? Uh, I don't get a lot of info, which is <laughs> what I really appreciate. Cause there's no, is like, that the goal? There's no fake promises or hopes and dreams. It's like, you know, in terms you can think of, so think of like Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. Like the tree got put up. When I talked to him the other day, I was pretty excited, you know, like all the parts are here. So it's like, okay, Ma just put out the Christmas tree, so you know something's coming. Now we're like to the stage where presents are starting to appear under the tree. <laughs> and it's it's closer to, to, oh, to yeah. uh, Christmas morning. Is that yeah, what we're going to be tearing into them. And... Christmas in July. You know, yeah. that's what it's going to be. Is that a thing? Well, well I, yes. I think it's a marketing ploy for retail is what it actually is, but that's all right. I could go down a long <laughs> twisted road there, but we'll just uh, avoid that whole scenario. So that that race in Ottawa uh, is July what twenty third, twenty third and twenty fourth. Looks you know like. I, did you look it up? Is that official? That's on their website. The uh, Hot Rod Havoc Two Plus Midwest Class Racer Stock and Super Stock. 
That's going to be one you don't want to miss. If you've never been to a Midwest class racers event, you want to go there. Ottawa, they've, you know, we had Gary on. He's put a pile of time and energy Mm -hmm. into that track and it's going to be a really well run event um, for a decent payout. If you want to see what the Midwest class racer is all about, you haven't been there. That would be a great spot to go try out. If you want to hear from Gary, it's episode 61 of this show back from May. So, uh, just a couple, well, month and a half ago, pretty much. Time flies. Oh, so, yeah, it's crazy. You know, it seems like it flies faster when you don't have a functioning race car, but. <laughs> That's funny. It'll be all right. So it must just scream for me all the time. <laughs> it kind of does. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's cool. Well, we have a, a fun show today. I want to get a new kind of up-and-comer. I don't know if they're an up-and-comer. See, most people start, like, in the bottom and work their way up. And I guess we could argue this kid's doing the same. <laughs> so today we got Parker Theobald on the show. Parker, how's it going? It's going well. Uh, just just living my best life out here. Uh, I mean, I get a break off of work for an hour or so, so um, what could be better than that? So this might be our first four-hour paid show, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, too. How long did you need? <laughs> well, if we could make it 10 hours, that would nice. cover my whole day. So, Well, the value you receive from the show is going to be 50% of your acquired pay. Oh, okay. That works for me either way. I'll I'll pay to miss work as well. Yeah, you got to split it with us. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So, you're how long have you been in class racing? Um, class racing. Um, I I just barely got my stock eliminator car at the beginning of the year, so I've been racing stock for six months ish to get three races Um, we've had uh, i think i've raced um half a dozen or so uh races in the car but only three or four of them were stock eliminator the rest were just um, bracket races trying to get seat time in the car you can't bracket race a stock eliminator car that's what everybody says I always. Uh, I'd beg to differ. You can bracket race anything. They're the best bracket cars ever. <laughs> the, Absolutely. Uh, I mean, stock eliminator is just a bracket race, right? So. So you don't really fit the mold. Do you feel like kind of an outcast when you pull up with a? Do you feel like you're undercover driving a stock eliminator car, or do you? Uh, I mean. Not really. I mean, everybody out here who runs bracket races has some some fami- fami- excuse me familiarity with class racing because that's like all we have out here is NHRA races, and uh, there's there's not much bracket racing action unless it's a local point series. So, if if you race bracket racing, you pretty much race with the racers that race in NHRA. So. Because I uh, did a little research on you, and you came from the the whole pipe rack slash lawn dart path. Yeah, um, it looks like you're pretty you're pretty darn good at it too. I mean, super comp. You know, you've won what three three events? 
I've three, won three final rounds. I've won. Jeez, uh, I don't remember now. Uh, two or three divisionals, and then I've won two national events and a division championship, and then a handful of big money bracket races. And then even so better yet, I as, came from, according to uh, Drag Insights, and when you go to the top dragster, you're one for one. You're 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, I usually just race super comp, but at the end of the year last year, um, I sold my super comp car because I knew I was going to be getting my stock eliminator car this year. And my sister, um, she's got a super gas car and a dragster. And she blew up her top dragster motor in the dragster. So um, my plan was to run super comp in her dragster. So we threw another engine in it. And uh, the entry list for Pomona said the quota wasn't going to be full for top dragster. So I decided just to jump in there because why not? And uh, I ended up winning top dragster national event in the only national event I've ever entered in top dragster. So. so that's pretty good. I don't know if anybody else can say they've got that kind of win percentage. <laughs> uh i'm sure there's a couple people that could could manage to jump in a class they've never been in and go out and win so let's let's back up a little bit what was your start to racing um so i grew up in a family of racers uh my oldest siblings i have i have five siblings so um when my brothers turned eight years old we kind of needed a family hobby and uh we tried horses at first, which that didn't work out. And I'm kind of grateful it didn't. And, uh, so they started racing junior dragsters and this was before I was ever born. So, uh, my older brothers started racing and my sister got into it. And then sooner or later we all had juniors and, and then, uh, we all kind of graduated into big cars. Actually, my mom was the very first one, uh, in our family to race a, a big car, so to speak. And so, after she got she got behind the wheel, then it kind of just snowballed after that, and and now my whole family races. That's awesome. So, so what's the I spread? What's, what's the age spread on your siblings? So, my oldest brother is fifteen years older than me. So, fifteen years to to me. So you're the baby then. Yep. So well, I'm the youngest. You must have really. You must have really. Did you say the accident? <laughs> yeah. And when I say that, I'm not joking oh, because no. my my parents did everything they could um, with the doctors to try and prevent me, but I was a good swimmer. Just, just had to get out of there. Come on. <laughs> yep. I'm sure they wouldn't trade you but, for uh, the world. Yeah, I'm the best accident they ever had. I say. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of like how that worked. Like if you did literally took five drag junior dragsters all of the track, like your parents must, but you guys were old enough and spread out that it wasn't. What was the most amount of junior dragsters you had at the track at one point in your family? So I actually never raced junior dragsters with, uh, with my siblings because I mean, it goes 15 years to, and then my, the older, my old next older sibling to me is seven years. So, when they were in juniors, I was just getting born. So when they turned 16, I was just starting juniors. Yeah. That's so I think the most we ever had was four. 
at the track for juniors. But I watch people with one or two, and that's a lot. Yeah, that's uh, my dad. My dad got burnt out with my older siblings, so that's why he never took me. I probably have less than a dozen junior races, and and most of the time, my my brother would take me. So. <laughs> Got all the equipment, got it all scienced out. Nah, we'll just skip this one. Yeah. Me and my older brother would actually throw my junior in the back of a pickup truck and have the front <laughs> half of my junior hanging out, and we would travel down to Vegas and, and down to Fontana, California, and and hit a handful of events. But we looked like the Beverly Hillbillies rolling up every time. Did you have success? Um, I probably have a dozen or so junior races and I probably won half of them. But like I said, my, my age gap between my siblings is 15 years and seven years. So, um, by the time I turned eight, I already had all their mistakes and their successes in my head. So I think I had an advantage going into juniors and coming into big cars, learning from my older siblings and my, and my parents as well. So did they still race big cars or how'd that transition go from the junior to the big car? So actually all my siblings, so I have four siblings, uh, but one, uh, we all race big cars. Um, my older brother, Dallas, he, he's been racing, uh, off-road dirt bikes and now he's getting into the off-road, um, like trophy truck type stuff. So he, he's kind of gone a different route than us, but he still races. Um, and then, Obviously, my other siblings race dragsters and and super gas and super comp. So, we uh we had I think eight big cars at one time, but we've kind of sold a few off and updated some some dragsters, got some new ones, and and uh and obviously the stalker. So, do your parents still actively race? Um, about when. When Tanner, my older brother, turned 16, uh, he kicked my dad out of a dragster because, I mean, my dad's just that kind of guy. He he wants us all to have fun and be successful. And uh, my mom took a step back when I was younger to uh, help raise the family and, and be the mother in our lives. And I'm actually really grateful for that because, I mean, I've got the best parents in the world and they support us big time. Um, Occasionally, my dad will jump back in the driver's seat when one of my siblings are gone or or uh, things like that. But my dad was actually a really, really good racer. He, uh, I think he raced three full seasons of Super Comp and didn't lose a first round in all three seasons. So that's, that's just the success he had. But um, my parents take a step back and, and they're just out there to support us now. That's pretty cool. So tell me like the, so when you got into the super comp car, what made you want to get into a stalker? Um, growing up, my, my dream was always a door car. And, uh, I, I had plans of, Hey dad, let's build a top sportsman car. Hey dad, let's build a roadster or, or some sort of super gas car. But, uh, the, the way the pieces fell, um, when I was 14 or 15, my brother uh, got T-boned in his dragster. And so that car went into our shop and it was bent up and crooked. And then uh, he got a new dragster. And the time I spent from 14 to 16 
uh, me and my dad rebuilt that dragster and, and I jumped into it. And I mean, you can kind of see that's the car that we fixed up behind me. And, and I, starting at 16, I got to race that. So, um, that's kind of the story of how I got into super comp. Um, but going from the super convert to the, the stalker back to, I wanted to be in a door car, uh, uh, like a year and a half, two years, um, we, we needed to, we thought we needed to update kind of our cars because they were all 15 to 20 years old. All the dragsters were at least. And so, uh, we made plans to build uh, three new dragsters, me and my brother, me and my two brothers, all identical so that we could predict off of each other. We could dial off each other. We could, you know, see what they ran and, oh, hey, go tell them it's 200 quicker than we think. So, uh, but right before we pressed the order button, uh, I was like, hey, dad, we have that 1969 Barracuda sitting in the shop, like, it's just sitting there. My older brother Dallas, the one that races the um, trophy trucks now, he he used to race that. That was his car, and he lost interest in it about ten years ago. So it's been sitting on the on the lift at the shop and collecting cobwebs. And I was like, "What if instead of I got a dragster, why don't we uh, why don't we put that thing together and I can I can race that in, in stock eliminator?" And at that time. I don't want to sound cocky because I'm not that kind of person, but in the dragster, I was getting kind of bored. I, uh, I won division championships. I won national events and I was ready for an, another challenge. And, uh, so far this year, um, bottom bowl, stock eliminator, all of that aspect, doing big wheelies, burnouts. It's a lot of fun, but it's definitely the challenge that I needed because it is kicking my tail. So was the car, how how much of a race car was the car when you started the build? So uh, the car was actually a stalker before uh, I got into it. It was, the way we had it, it was fairly competitive. It was like a 60, 70 undercar. And uh, the engine was torn apart, obviously, because we needed to refresh it. And that's when my brother lost interest. But uh when we when we decided to put the car back together, we we're like the best guy for the job with Mopars or or Chrysler engines is Steve Wan. So we uh, we've been talking to Stevie, and uh, he he took the car from us a couple of years ago. He built us a brand new engine. Uh, he went through the car, put new suspension on it, new wired it. He he did everything for us. And uh, now we have a 110, 120 player, and that's not even pushing it. So that's a pretty serious piece of hardware, then. Yeah, it, it's pretty quick. We're uh, we're pretty proud of it. What uh, what are some of the things you think you're struggling with? What are the main differences? Well, in in a super comp car, all you got to do is press the button and let go when you see it flash, but. Uh, me having the super comp mentality when I see the flash and let go. Uh, now when I hit the bottom bolt, I'm having a tough time going green because uh, my reaction is so quick. Uh, now I have to slow the car down, and I'm doing everything I can to to keep my my reaction green. Um, 
another thing is, is at the finish line, I'm used to going 180 miles an hour. So when I would rip the gas, then my momentum would still carry me. So I've been struggling this year giving the stripe back because when I rip the gas, it's killing a lot more than a dragster. So those the small little differences that you just got to learn with, with the seat time, but, uh, most, mostly that. Yeah. It's gotta be way more fun though. When you let out when you're in the, in the stock or when you do the wheelie and I mean, that part's gotta be 60 foots are probably a little different, but still gotta be a pretty cool feeling. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a, a lot more fun and a lot more driver control and, uh, more races are won by the driver than the car. Is the do you have a hard time getting the car? I mean, is the car running pretty consistent, or do you, as far as predicting and um, dialing and all that, is that a lot different than the dragster or not? So, I mean, I think it's consistent. I just need to figure out what uh, what the weather's worth, so to speak. So, my my dragster hardly moved around because it was set up. I mean, you can buy any part you want for it and put it on and make it whatever, but. Um, with the stock limiter, obviously you're you're limited to carburetors and and different things like that. So, uh, just learning the char- characteristics of the car and how it reacts to different weather is is uh, quite a bit different than dragster. So, uh, I'm just learning learning that right now, and hopefully put that into play towards the end of the year. And then you even take like the wind into effect, right? Like you go to Vegas, it's got to be a little different having a actual car compared to the a dart you know the wind's gonna be more effective on it yeah that's one of the another one of the hardest things that i've i've come to notice like in my dragster you could go oh the one mile an hour is worth 0.0015 or we're now in a in a stock you're like oh five mile an hour is worth eight hundredths. it's like a huge difference with with that and a tailwind and a headwind are different in my car and I, some people say, some people say, uh, the headwind's worth five. Some people say it's worth 10. So, uh, you just got to figure that out for yourself. Well, then just when you have four dragsters running, like you have a massive amount of data where now you're the one man band out there collecting data. It's a little tougher too. Yeah. And, and I'm the guinea pig because stalkers are out first, first round. So, uh, just. I mean, my data is probably not going to help them very much, but it's it's still something. So you like the official black sheep now, or are they all secretly embracing the stalker lifestyle? <laughs> uh, my my siblings are pretty pretty supportive, and uh, they've all been glad to see the car back out on the track. Um, but I think they would all want to race it. I mean, we're all down to drive anything, so. Uh, I'm not the black sheep. I just going about racing a little different. That's cool. What, uh, like, what are your thoughts as far as like, I mean, obviously you're one of the younger people when you pull up into the lanes of stocker, like how do we get more people out of pipe racks and lawn darts and into stockers? Um, that's a great question. Um, I think the first thing we need to do is look at, why they're not getting into stockers and super stockers. And uh, I think the main reason for that is affordability. Um, I mean, you can get into a dragster and a complete turnkey car for 25, 30 grand. Whereas a stocker, if you want to be competitive, 
uh, you got to have that much or more into a car. So, um, I mean, there's people that are extremely competitive doing it uh, different ways. But uh, one of the things I've noticed out here on the West Coast is, um, and we didn't plan this or anything, but uh, a lot of the kids my age um, that I race super comp with, um, two or three of them are like getting into stock and super stock. And I was like, wow, like we all just decided to do this all at one time or what? So uh, just just look at the problem and, and see how uh, we can fix that. But You're kind of in shark-infested waters over there at most events you go to. I mean, there's some real hitters where you're pulling up to. Yeah, we got we got quite a few fantastic uh, stock, super stock racers. I mean, uh, we got a lot of top 10 players here in Division 7 and Division 6, uh, obviously. And Justin Miami and, and uh, Jody Lang, just to name a few, but that's not all. On that probably makes the learning curve a little steeper but on the other hand you're you're accelerating it too yep what uh what's your schedule look like i mean i know covid was pretty tough on you guys over there but are you having a full season this year uh yeah we'll have a full season this year uh it's kind of kind of weird out here on the west coast uh we hit it really hard in february march and april so they had pomona phoenix and then a handful of races at Vegas. And then we take three months off for the summertime because it's hot and nobody wants to race. And then we'll hit hard again September, October, November. We'll, we're going to head to Sonoma at the end of this month or end of July. And then uh, we'll have a little break. And then September, we start back up in Bakersfield, California for a division event. Um, then we'll head to Vegas for three or four weeks and, and race divisionals and the national and then close it up with Pomona. So are you making changes now on this kind of downturn or are you just hanging out? Um, I've been, been pulling up race pack graphs, seeing if I can make converter changes or, or what I need to do uh, jetting wise. But um, Stevie's got us pretty close, just small amount of fine tuning changes. So tell us about your combination. What are you running in that car? Uh, okay, I got a 1969 uh, C-Stalker uh, with a 440 in it, so a big block car. Um, we got the Pro Trans 727 in it, and that's about it. It's uh, advertised horsepower is 375, and it's factored at 345, so we got some there. Is there a lot of those running, like cars like yours? Uh, actually, there's quite a few. Um, Steve Wan built an orange one, same car, 69 Barracuda, that Austin Williams currently owns. And then Doug Duell from, from the East Coast, he has one with a 440 combination as well. Um, I think there's a couple more, but I'm not sure who the owners are. Guessing you run probably Caltrax on the back. Yep, Caltrax. Um, they're pretty close to us in California, so um, it's a great way to to set up your car and and it's quick and easy. So not much fabrication to do. No, like 
I know you're still figuring this car out, but do you have any desire to go up to super stock or anything like that? Um, yeah, I would love to try super stock. Uh, I'm used to super comp with a button in my hand. So super stock would be, would be pretty fun going hitting the bottom with a button, but, um, obviously they do way big wheelies too. And, and they're a little quicker, but, uh, super stock would be a, a lot of fun and I would, I would like to give it a shot, but we're, we're going to try and figure out the stocker before I go anywhere else. Was there any conversation about just going to super stock instead of stock or just didn't want to change the car up or what were the thoughts there? Uh, I would, I would do super stock, but I mean, I don't feel the need to four link the car and tub it out. And because if I'm going to, if I'm going to make it a super stocker, I'm going to go all the way and, and make it a, super stocker not just a stocker that you can run in super stock and and plus the car is already super competitive in in stock so i don't i don't need to go change in unless i run out of parts right yeah yeah that's uh there's definitely something to having i mean a lot of things are sorted out you got the right guys working on it so that definitely i don't know i i'd I could see buying like a GT car that's already cut up, but a car like yours, I'd have a hard time chopping on it, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, I see a lot of, uh, the super stockers on online for sale, like the cobalt and the Sunfires, And, and to me, that's, that's an ideal super stocker. What are you, what are some of your thoughts as far as NHRA side? Like what can they do to help grow? Um, I've actually been thinking about this a lot lately on how to get, uh, the younger generations. I mean, I'm pretty young, but like the kids younger than me interested in coming NHRA racing, um, out here on the, on the West coast. I don't know how it is on the East coast, but we have a pretty big junior community and, uh, they go to all the junior divisionals there is and Western conference finals and, and all that. So we have a lot of younger people interested in drag racing, um, but I think we need to integrate the juniors with the big cars more. Um, they run national opens, but if we could have a, a, a series where the juniors qualify to come race at, at divisionals here in Division 7 or Division 6, and then the the crowds obviously get together and hang out and and it just brings them, oh, hey, when I'm done racing juniors, I want to go race the divisional series and, and, and get the opportunity to race at national events and and things like that. So, uh, like I said, integrate the juniors into into our divisionals and and obviously people hang out and make friends at the track. And and it's pretty easy to persuade drag racers to, to make the next step. It's just like a series of bad decisions sometime that lead to the end result, right? What was that? I'm sorry. I said it's like a series of bad decisions that always lead to the end result. <laughs> yeah, a lot of bad decisions. <laughs> but it's uh, but pretty cool. Uh, to, pretty cool you can do it with the whole family, think, though, and it is family-oriented. I mean, that's the neat thing about it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times uh, my, my dad meets with people and he's like man like you spend a lot of money on your kids like why don't you ever or spend it on something else And he's like well like 
my kids aren't in jail. My kids aren't uh, doing drugs or anything like that. So like when, when we're drag racing, you don't have any money to, to do bad things, I guess. So, and it keeps us together. And, and my family's really tight because I, I'm pretty sure it's because of drag racing, because I mean, we get together on the weekends and work in the shop and, and we, when we hang out at, at holidays, it's, we're always talking about racing and, and just, it's, it's something that brings us all together. So when your family goes to the track, does everybody have assigned jobs or you just worry about your own cars or how does that work? Uh, most everybody knows the, knows the routine and, and we take care of our own vehicles and, and we dial our own vehicles. But, um, anytime we have a question, it's, Hey, what do you guys think the weather's worth right here? Or, or what do you guys think that I should do in this situation on who I'm racing? But, uh, everybody kind of just picks up the slack wherever it, it's needed. Um, mom, mom's the team chef because nobody else can cook. But other than that, there's not really any designated jobs. Of course, now you're on your own. So what do you guys and, think? And I dad's should... the truck driver. So now that you're on your own in your own class, what should I do? And they all just <laughs> yeah. shake their head like, I don't know. But I'm sure they enjoy it too. Like when you got well, a heads up, you got a big the, team behind you to help. The golden rule is just, yeah, a lot of pushers, and uh, they just give me a thumbs up and tell me good luck. That's that's the advice I get. That's uh, I got a friend, and <laughs> every time you go in, he's like, "Don't suck." <laughs> I'm not sure if that's uh, supportive or not. Yeah. But okay, I'll try. You know, being coming into the stock super stock and with the NHRA, what's one rule you'd like to see changed? Um, I mean, you and Bobby always talk about true start. <laughs> so, so uh, I think that in the top bulb classes like top dragster and top sportsman, true start needs to be in effect because uh, you both leave off the same flash, so uh, you should you should be able to hit the tree and and do that thing but um in in stock and super stock the bottom of classes comp eliminator um the person who leaves first i believe has an advantage because they get a clean tree and people always say oh but but the other person gets to chase but um i think having a clean tree where you you don't have to watch the other person leave and count before you hit the two step or, or any of that outweighs the chasing 10 times out of 10. So, uh, put true start in, but, but leave it out for the stock and super stock guys. I would definitely agree that it takes. Okay. So as a slower car, it takes a skill set to be able to see how fast you're being, you know, overcome being able to judge a stripe against a faster car. Like that's something, but Mm -hmm. it's just as hard to come up on a slow car and judge the stripe and not to mention the whole time you're sitting there waiting like all right and they go like how do you not react like it's i argue that it's more difficult to drive the faster car but we'll uh we'll just say we're right how about that we can do that everybody's right if if you look at it from different perspectives i mean maybe when i'm the when i'm the slower car 
or I want to, I want true start on, but <laughs> not when I'm a faster car. <laughs> at least it's good for controversy. That's the one thing we like about that question. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different opinions, but, uh, it's, it's honestly personal preference. Uh, whatever the rules are, that's what I'm going to race by. And I'm not going to get angry over it or, or mad about it. So. Well, uh, we definitely appreciate you coming on today, I guess. Is there anybody you want to thank that helps your program or anybody you want to shout out? Yeah, I've got, I got a, a pretty good backing behind me. Um, first and foremost, uh, my parents, um, they, they, uh, provide me with a car and, and the transportation to get to and from the track. Um, they're the backbone in our family racing. And, uh, I, I honestly could not do it without them. Uh, my siblings, uh, for, for being the, the team players and, and helping me whenever I need it. Uh, my wife, uh, she, uh, she puts up with me leaving on the weekends and, and always talking about racing and, and going to the shop and working on that. Um, this must not have been new information before you got married, right? (laughs) Yeah. She she knew you came with this baggage. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I love you and I love racing. So (laughs) we're going to have to work this out. It's it's generational. (laughs) I can't help it. Right. Yeah, it's it's uh I inherited it, so it's just part of who I am. Let's call it a genetic disposition. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, Steve Wan, um Steve Wan Racing Engines, uh he built me a really fast car. Um K and oil filters and air filters. Uh they they support our whole family, um, providing with providing us with product. Um Hoosier tires, they uh, they're a big help, especially when you have quite a few cars um, with tires and and stuff like that. Um, I don't have I don't have any sponsors, so if if you want to sponsor me, uh, <laughs> you you can get in contact with me. But uh, that's that's the the people that I need to thank, and obviously thank you and Craig for for uh, allowing me to be on your podcast, and uh, it was a humbling experience and and i'm grateful for the opportunity no it's cool it's always fun to especially get the the young blood coming into their in the sport just to try to not balance out the old guys but to show that there is interest across the the spectrum so thank you and uh obviously we couldn't do it without uh the people before us so I'm, i'm grateful for the people who brought stock and super stock to what it is today uh it's a lot of fun but uh i'm always always open to change yeah well thank you again we uh hope you have a good sorry you don't get the all the day off from work but you know part of it we still got we still got like (laughs) five more hours we still got time that's right (laughs) (laughs) you're in the southern edge of utah is it high desert? Is that what that's called? Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty deserty. Yeah, it's it's a hundred and six or seven out with less than five percent humidity. So it's pretty deserty. That's crazy. Well, thanks again, Parker, for hanging out with us. Um, we wish you the best as you go forward in this uh, racing endeavor as you continue. Remember to put your wife first. 
the car can be second, but <laughs> she gets to be first. <laughs> yep. He's always first. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks a lot. Thanks. We uh, appreciate everyone for hanging out and listening. ClassRacingToday.com, ClassRacingToday at gmail.com. Remember, if you want to help support the show, you can do it. You choose the value you get out of the show. Turn it to dollars. Send it our way. ClassRacingToday.com. Click on the Donate Today button. We thank everyone who helps us out to make this show better and continue it on. We'll see you all next time. Have a great week. See you later.